0: Joining me today is a contributor for Canada's national post known here on the YouTube as my name is Josephine. Josephine Mathias, welcome to the Rubin Report. Thank
1: you for having me, I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) So your real name is Josephine, my name is Josephine. (laughs) Yes it is. I know why a lot of people don't believe that. They think it's like an alias. Is it really not that
0: believable? You say my name is Josephine, yeah. People are always getting punked online, mm-hmm. so true. They were curious. I, I,
1: sorry, I was gonna say, I think they assume it's like Bonquisha or something, yeah. like Josephine's a really, really kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, well, I'm, I'm really super psyched that you're here. We met about a month and a half ago in yeah. Toronto after a Jordan Peterson thing, we got to chat a little bit, yeah. And I've been a fan of what you're doing for a while, and I think yeah. you're actually one of the few people on the YouTube making some sense.
1: Whoa, I feel special. Thank you
0: so much. So uh, let's just do a little bit about your history first and then we're gonna play a clip from one of your videos in case people haven't seen some of your stuff (laughs) and then we're gonna talk about all sorts of political stuff, because you are a true political beast. So, uh, you're originally from Nigeria, Yes. uh, lived there for what, eight or nine years before you moved to Canada? So tell me about growing up in Nigeria.
1: Yeah, um, I actually don't remember much about growing up in Nigeria, and my parents kinda uh, closed me off to what was really going on. I lived in the gated community, and um, yeah, I immigrated here when I was nine years old. My dad actually first went to uh, Canada when I was two, uh, he got here on a work visa, worked his ass off for years, for about seven years, actually. I didn't even know who my dad was for seven years, and then when he you know, got his visa and everything, he brought my family over, and yeah, now I'm in, I'm in Canada, I'm in a great
0: country. <laughs> yeah, so what did your dad do that uh, my, he was able to get a visa to go into Canada?
1: Yeah, my dad was an accountant, and then when he got to Canada, he went back to school and decided to do nursing instead. Uh, and my mom's a teacher, so that's that's what they do.
0: What does your mom teach?
1: Uh, she teaches, she taught English in Nigeria and now she kind of teaches uh, special ed kids and stuff like that, so she still loves teaching. She obviously can't teach, a Nigerian person can't teach English in Canada, um, <laughs> but yeah, so she still loves teaching, so I'm glad she still kind of gets to do that, but yeah, so my dad's accountant, my dad, My mom's a teacher. Yeah.
0: yeah, do your parents tell you anything about the political situation or anything at the time when you were growing up, even if you don't have great memories of it?
1: Uh, not. Not necessarily. My parents were not really that political. Um, I think we became more political when we came to Canada. And I mean, politics in Nigeria is just, it's completely corrupt. There's no such thing as politics. It's all just money. And um, is when I came to Canada is when they started to get a little bit more political. And uh, I don't know, I think religion and strict parents kind of create conservatism in a way. So they're very, very conservative. Uh, so I, I had grew up about um, around that. But they didn't really name it as conservatism. It was just strict and religious and had all these rules that basically apply to conservatism in a way. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So then you get to Canada. You're not even 10 years old. Mm-hmm. What was that like to be oh, in a, in a new country? it was so
1: and... weird. I mean, I got here. I think it was 16 <laughs> degrees outside, and I was freezing. So why is it so cold? And there's people wearing T-shirts. I did not understand. Uh, I remember like driving from the airport. I think it was Piercing Airport. And we all stopped. I was like, why are we stopping? And they're like, oh, it's a red light. I'm like, what does that mean? Don't you just go? And everyone just figure <laughs> it out. My dad's like, there's order here. I was like, oh, oh OK. And Snow. Snow. Was the best one I think I spent like half an hour just like touching it and like what is this and my uh elementary school teachers or middle school teachers had to tell me to get back inside <laughs> I'll freeze but yeah it was it was really it was surreal it
0: was a culture shock so it was mostly a weather related weather uh, and yeah, order weather but,
1: and order exactly it's basically it weather and order yeah
0: so when you say you grew up in like a in a religious <laughs> atmosphere what what was that like
1: um, my parents were just uh, super religious and they hoped I'd be also as religious as them. Unfortunately, I'm not, but I think that kinda comes with age and also living in, I don't know, a different country. Nigeria, it's easier, easier. the majority of people are religious, um, but yeah, they, they are still very, very Is religious. Is it Catholic?
0: What, what Oh, religion? no, um,
1: Protestant, Protestant yeah. yeah, so yeah.
0: Yeah, so okay, <laughs> so now you're in Canada, you're a kid, you're making a good life for yourself. When did you get interested in politics?
1: Ooh, I got interested in politics uh, while well, I'm taking political science. I'm studying political science in school right now. And um, I was also president of the debate club. I was just interested in, like, discourse and discussing things. I was interested in people's ideas and different ideas and reasoning the reason for things. Um, but I also think my political views were really shaped by me immigrating to canada and we lived in the inner cities i'm not sure if you've ever heard of jaden finch by any chance no
0: i don't think uh, it's so. kind of
1: like a south side of chicago light. like it's not it's obviously not as bad um but it's an inner city majority black um you know poor neighborhoods i lived there for most of my canadian life actually and then from there i moved to a more higher income neighborhood and having to experience that so it's really cool kind of seeing like the culture there and then get another culture shock and move somewhere else so it's like i've experienced you know nine. Nigeria, and the inner city in Canada, and then a much more, you know, well-off neighborhood, so.
0: Which would you say is the best out of those three?
1: Uh, Nigeria. (laughs) No, No, the the well-off neighborhood. But yeah, living in like the um, inner cities really, it, it shaped my views, because now when I look back, I was like, oh, that makes sense. You are a product of your environment. And a lot of people that, you know, I think about two Three of my friends made it out of there. The majority of them are, you know, pregnant or single parents now. They're in the system. And it's unfortunate and weird to see that happen. And my parents being extremely strict and they gave me a curfew at like 5 p.m. every day. I wasn't allowed to, you know, have boyfriends, which I guess I was young. I probably shouldn't have. Um, but they were really, really strict, and I hated them at that time, but I didn't understand why they didn't want me to go out and play with people. And now I get it because I would have ended up like a lot of the people that are still there right now. yeah, um and then, yeah, moving to like the much better neighborhood, I realized that, wow, there is a difference. There is a cultural difference,
0: I guess. But, yeah. so when I've watched a ton of your videos, <laughs> I thought, all right. I sense that she basically is a liberal, yeah. my kind of liberal, but I think you have probably some conservative leanings perhaps, or at least have an understanding, I think that's what you're laying out here, you have an yeah. understanding of that line of thinking. Yeah. I, you consider yourself a classical liberal? I don't wanna push you, <laughs> but I'd like to hear you say it, but, but what do you actually consider your views to be?
1: Um okay here I I don't, I know everyone says they don't like putting labels but I absolutely hate labels because like I have some conservative um ideas I have some liberal ideas I have some classical liberal ideas um I have some progressive ideas socialist ideas <laughs> Oh all of Let's them Let's get into all of them okay. all right yeah Um but I guess I just see uh look at things from issue to issue but I am you know primarily liberal but I'm fiscally conservative so yeah. that's kind of where I lean, I guess.
0: Yeah. So the root, I think, of of your ideas is sort of individualism. Yeah, though. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You want to throw to a clip? Yes, let's do it. All right, let's get people to know you in your natural environment.
1: West has also been tweeting about the lack of freedom of thought in America and the backlash about whether blacks can be allowed to be Republicans sure is helping prove his point. But black Americans, contrary to popular belief, can hold widely diverse and opposing opinions on political issues. Maybe Connie is a Republican. I mean, he's never referred to himself as such, of course, but he said something about Trump that wasn't severely negative, so he's suddenly the black Paul Ryan. But even if he is, so what? In fact, a 2012 study by Vincent Hutchins and Hakeem Jefferson, using data from the American National Election Studies, found that 45% of black Americans identify as conservatives. Despite this, however, the Democratic Party typically receives 85-95% to of the black American vote. The tendency of black Americans to vote Democrat allows the Dems to believe that they have a strong hold on the black American vote. In fact, back in 2016, when Kanye West announced he would run for president in 2020, the Democratic Party's official Twitter account immediately assumed he meant he'd be running for them, responding, Welcome to the race, Mr. West. Glad to have you if only the Dems had Ron Kanye in 2016. Better candidate than she who shall not be named, to be honest.
0: <laughs> all right, so I, think I picked that one because I think it's just a great example of what you do. There's, mm-hmm. there's information and facts, and it's yeah. kind of light, too, and fun, and all, all that good stuff. Now, first off, though, as a black Canadian, yeah. talking about black Americans, that's kind of <laughs> racist, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, I think I've gotten a lot of comments of people saying, like, you don't understand what it's like to be black in America. And it's like, oh my gosh, stop. I can have the same uh, discussions about race relations in America. It's just a little scaled down in, in the Canadian context. And I think a lot of Canadians try to project, I guess, American issues on Canadians as well. So, um, But yeah, no, I, I do get that criticism, which is annoying. We should all be allowed to talk about whatever we
0: want. Yeah, you are black in America right now.
1: Yes, I am. I know, it's awful. I mean, <laughs> I've been gunned down like 10 times. People are yelling the N-word at me. I mean, I just, I feel so unsafe.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, well, that's why we create a safe space for yes, you right Yes, thank here. you, thank you Okay, so I want to talk about that, video, though, because the the numbers that you laid out there Mm -hmm. are actually kind of incredible, and it's something that we obviously have been talking about lately, Mm -hmm. related to Kanye and Candace and the rest Mm of it, but 45% of black Americans consider themselves conservative, Mm -hmm. yet at 85 to 95% are voting Democrat. That Mm -hmm. is a massive disconnect, So, so what do you make of that?
1: Yeah, I think it's just it, there's an idea that the Democratic Party is the best one for Black Americans. It's the one that's going to help Black Americans. And although they are conservative, and you know, in the true sense of the word, they aren't necessarily Republican. They don't believe in the Republican Party. Um, but it is it is very interesting. I mean, no one group or identity votes the same way as Black Americans do. So there is some kind of I guess story that's being told to them that this is the way to do it. This is the way to go. And I, I don't think you know the Republican Party per se is the way to go. And I don't think the Democratic Party. In fact, I think both parties are just garbage at this point um but yeah i I think it's it's a little odd that the majority 95 percent vote one single way but yet they're still conservative in a sense um but yeah i just think it's it's uh, it's a leftover ideas like they just need to kind of start to re-figure things out but first we probably have to start with you know changing up the government and changing up the party systems and try to find who to vote for instead of just picking Democrat or Republican.
0: Yeah. Do you think this was more of a good sell job by the Democrats or a bad sell job by the Republicans? Because when you look at all the cities, especially, Mm -hmm. where it's the worst Mm -hmm. for black people, they're Mm -hmm. always Democrat-run cities for decade after decade after decade, Mm -hmm. yet black people still in extremely high numbers keep Mm -hmm. voting Democrats, so that's obviously a great sell job, right? Yeah. Like somebody's doing some serious PR work over yeah.
1: there. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely, and um, I think it's also the Republicans as well. And I think black the democrats make it feel like the republicans are against the the black americans and the and the republicans make it feel like you know the black americans are against the republicans like it's just i think both sides are not necessarily trying to help they're just trying to pander to their own side but it is interesting that you've been voting democrat for so long and things are not getting better it's like oh maybe i should start voting a different way or maybe i should start criticizing the democratic party i think that's actually the biggest thing is it's not picking a side it's criticizing what they're doing wrong it's criticizing you know This didn't work. Let's try something else. Instead of just saying we need Democrat and that's it, this is what's going to happen. But it's clearly not not working. Let's try to figure out you know what policy changes we need instead of trying to pick like you know Democrat or Republican. Sorry, I keep saying that. Democrat or Republican? No, I'm with you. I'm with you. So
0: (laughs) I know you're not you're not a huge proponent of the sort of Candace, Kanye train in general. (laughs) But the fact that that conversation is happening now, Mm -hmm. the fact that you made that video. You view that all as positive, right?
1: Oh yeah, no, for sure. I think Kanye really allowed a lot of people to think for a second and try to, you know, Investigate some more information, try to figure out what their real, why they hold certain ideas. I think that was the biggest thing. And it was really exciting to like scroll through Facebook and see people that are not normally engaging in politics. Now, actually, that might be scary because it's like the majority of people are
0: dumb, that's saying. (laughs) Don't know what they're doing, but yeah, yeah, I'd rather have them involved in some way.
1: Exactly, I'd rather have them involved. And the thing is, I think as much as I, um, you know, dislike Candace politics, I do think that it opened a lot of people's minds in the sense that it allowed them to investigate more and that's the most important thing because if you're just stuck in the echo chamber, Kanye broke that. A lot of people, all they see is, you know, Beyonce and Chrissy Teigen and all these celebrities are all just talking about the far left, you know, super, I hate saying social justice warrior, but super social justice warrior uh, talking points. So Kanye broke that and showed them the other side. Um, Unfortunately, I think, uh, you know, because Candace is kind of harsh and, you know, I think it's harder for people to connect with her that are already so down the drain of the far left. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, we might have to cuddle them to, you know, come on, come to the other side. It's okay, let me explain things to you.
0: So do you view that as just like a personality trait? Because that's what's interesting to me. Like Mm -hmm. people used to say to me all the time, well, You know, if when you have Milo on, like Milo's creating chaos and out of chaos, hopefully, my feeling was if I brought Milo on, Mm -hmm. that out of the chaos that he creates, that some people would hear some good ideas Mm -hmm. in a more calm, relaxed way, and then they'd join me on the adventure that I'm on. And I think there's proof in that pudding. I think you're kind of a little bit more like me, where I think you see a little bit of the chaos that Candace is creating, Mm -hmm. and you want people to understand the ideas behind them. Yeah, that's
1: that's the thing is that you know when Candace says one thing like. Um, stop the victim mentality, for example. Um, I think black Americans that are stuck in like the far left echo chamber just sees it as like, excuse me, like what are you trying to say, blah, blah, blah. So it's like they need, either she explains it further, which obviously she doesn't have to do, I mean, she can do whatever she wants, but I think she needs to break it down a little more because saying get off the plantation, the victimhood, it's harder for people that all they've ever heard is white privilege, Mm -hmm. white people suck, blah, blah, blah. It's harder for them to kind of understand where she's coming from because if you do break it down, it makes a lot of sense. But if it's just thrown like that, then it's harder yeah. for them to figure it out. But they can do the, I keep like pointing here, like the liberals are <laughs> these here. These people over these here, people the liberals over here, here yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so they just need to kind of break it down and figure do it out. Do you think
0: maybe you need both? Like in any movement, like if you just look at the, mm-hmm. the black rights movement, yeah. that Malcolm X was different than Martin Luther exactly. King, and, and even the way comedians talked about things differently, Cosby talked about things mm-hmm. differently than Dick Gregory, than Chappelle, than Chris Rock. like we just need people, people just get affected by yeah. different things. Yeah,
1: shock value works. I mean, it gets people, it wakes people up. It allows them to kind of, you know, be more aware of what's going on. I totally, I, I do think we need both of them. We need people to say, you know, shut up, you're being annoying. And we also need people to say, here's why you're being annoying. we most certainly need both. Um, but yeah, I think she, what she does is, you know, it's awesome. She has such a great platform. And there are also other people that are doing the same thing, but in a more kind of calmer, I, I'm not saying she's like crazy or anything. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, um, yeah, she's just she's a tough girl, and it's it, a lot of SJWs are snowflakes. So it's. I don't, yeah. I'm Have like, you guys no.
0: had any interaction?
1: Um, not necessarily. I mean, I think we've I've DM'd her. Like we've talked over DMs on Twitter before, um, and this was after the whole Blair White debate. And I was, <laughs> yeah, that was wow. Guys, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, No, I was just um, reaching out to her and asking her, like, hey, what's going on? Like, I don't, because she was, I think, closing everyone off that were criticizing her, and I didn't want to openly criticize her. I wanted to go directly to the source, Um, but we left off on, like, a good note. Yeah, all
0: right, well, I'll put it out here. Why don't we have a Jay-Z, Kanye moment, and you both can come on the show sometime. Oh, yeah. And talk it out. Yeah, and and you're going to be
1: like, guys, guys, please, guys. (laughs) I'm I'm a glutton for punishment. Yeah, Yeah, exactly.
0: This interview comes to you from our friends over at Quip. The truth is most of us are brushing our teeth wrong or for not long enough or we don't change our brush on time. This isn't because we love cavities. Most toothbrush brands focus on selling flashy gimmicks rather than better brushing, but not Quip. So what makes Quip different? Quip is an electric toothbrush that's a fraction of the cost of bulkier brushes while still packing just the right amount of vibrations to help clean your teeth. Quip's built-in timer helps you clean for the dentist-recommended two minutes with guiding pulses that remind you when to switch sides so you'll never skimp out on your oral care again. If you're on the go like me, you'll also love this. Quip comes with a mount that suctions right to your mirror and unsticks to use as a cover for hygienic travel wherever you take your teeth. Everyone loves Quip and it's not just me. They were on Oprah's O list, named one of Time's best inventions, and is the first subscription electric toothbrush accepted by the American Dental Association. Plus, they're backed by a network of over 20,000 dentists and hygienists and hundreds of thousands of happy brushers use Quip every day. Best of all, Quip subscription plan are for your health, not just convenience. They deliver new brush heads on a dentist recommended schedule every three months for just five bucks, including free shipping worldwide. Let Quip do all the thinking for you when it comes to your teeth. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash Rubin right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash Rubin. One more time, and I'll even spell it out for you. Getquip, G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash Rubin. The Rubin Report is brought to you by Keeps. Okay guys, let's talk about something no one wants to think about, but we've all worried about, hair loss. Maybe you've noticed you have a little less hair than you used to have, but you're not sure there's a real solution. The thing is, there's only two clinically proven medications that let you keep the hair you have, and now there's an inexpensive way to get them. You don't need to lose your hair if you don't want to. I have to tell you about Keeps for just five minutes now, and a dollar a day, Keeps is coming to the rescue, so you never have to worry about hair loss again. I'm lucky enough to have a full head of hair, but we decided to give the ordering process a try. We snapped some photos, answered a couple simple questions, and got a prompt response from the licensed doctors over at Keeps. Getting started with Keeps is truly so easy, the entire ordering process was so quick, there's no reason to keep putting off trying Keeps. Keeps is not only the easiest way to keep your hair, but Keeps also offers the only two FDA-approved hair loss products clinically proven to keep the hair you already have. Some of you may have tried them before, but you've never gotten them this quickly for this low price. You can sign up for your kit in less than five minutes and your products are only 10 to $35 a month. That's half of what you typically pay at the pharmacy. Plus, you can now get your first month's treatment for free shipped right to your door. Stop hair loss today the easy way with Keeps, offering customized treatment plans with the only FDA-approved hair loss products for about a buck a day from the comfort of your couch. To receive your first month of treatment for free, go to keeps.com slash Reuben. That's K-E-E-P-S.com slash Reuben. That's a free month of treatment at keeps.com slash Reuben. Keeps, hair today, hair tomorrow. So uh, when I was doing a little research on you, one of the things that I thought was most interesting is that, so you have a twin sister. Yeah. And part of your awakening was related to a paper that she was writing in college, right? Yeah. So, can you tell me about that? Because it's pretty fascinating. Oh yeah, for sure.
1: Um, so, my sister is not into politics at all. She is studying uh, marketing, and she decided to take. She goes to Ryerson University, one of the biggest <laughs> far left universities in Canada, and. Um, She took a sociology course. That was her fault. And it was called (laughs) How Society Works. I think it was the the title of the course, or is what bothered me. Because if the course was feminism studies, if the course was, you know, how women are oppressed, then yes, sure. But this is how society works. And, you know, in their assignment, they had to talk about. You know, some societal issue and discuss it and analyze it or whatever. And she wanted to talk about the wage, or I actually encouraged her. I like, you should talk about the wage gap and you know how it's false and you know how it's misinterpreted and all that. And you were setting like, her up. I was setting her up a little. I I wanted to test it out, but I didn't know it would. The professor would you know respond that way. Um, but yeah, I told her to write about the wage gap. So she just sent like a short thesis and said like, here's what I want to talk about. I'm going to use studies, blah, blah, blah. Let me know. And the uh, professor, like her response is a meme. Like I hope I could, like you guys can like put it up or something. Yeah. It's like the reality is patriarchy. Do not use business sources. They blame women. And it's like period. The reality yeah. is patriarchy. Do not, they blame women. And like, you know, the You got wage... a
0: screenshot on this you can send that's oh, yes, all, for right, sure. all right, we're going to throw it definitely, up here so, so yeah. people can see this. I yeah. was
1: reading it. I was like, okay, this is fake, right? This, yeah. this is definitely Definitely fake. No, she basically shut it down. She said your premise is completely wrong. And it was one of the most absurd emails ever. And use only feminist sources. And, and
0: Yeah, that was the one.
1: And <laughs> in, in, in the assignment details, the list of sources they can't use was dictionary.com, the encyclopedia. You couldn't use the Government of Canada website. You couldn't use Statistics Canada. Statistics Canada. How, like, how does that even make sense? How are you gonna explain how society works? And the only source you have is feminist studies. And, and as Peterson has mentioned this so many times, they're not cited. It's just within this little group. Th- these aren't real textbooks. Uh, but yeah, it just, it, it blew my mind. And I was I was so excited as she said that, because I was like, this is exactly what is wrong.
0: So, okay, so your sister gets this response. Yeah. What, what was her response? Was she like, oh, look what you did to me.
1: No, yes, she was <laughs> upset at me, and she thought I was wrong. And I had to sit her down and say, girl, let me explain it to you here is what is actually happening by the end of that conversation she's like oh my gosh I've been every class I go to I've been lied to they are lying to me every single day and it, it it's it's oh, it's so messed up and I think it's—this isn't teaching. This is imposing your political ideas on students, because if it's teaching, you teach it objectively. You show them the facts and let your students come up with their own conclusions. This is not teaching. She's trying to tell them how to think, and, you know, I I did some research on her, actually, and she's the highest-paid woman in uh, her—person in her department. She makes more money than the male counterparts. (laughs)
0: <laughs> what are you talking about?
1: So I'm sure there's a reason for I don't think you can cite that in the
0: paper. <laughs> yeah,
1: enough. exactly. But it's like there's obviously reasons for it. She probably works more hours. She's, you know, doing all these other things. And that's how you can explain the wage gap. So it was just interesting to me that why, are, like, why are you doing this? Why are you lying to your students? Or isn't the point of education for you, like, or essays or assignments, like you're supposed to come to your own conclusions by using facts. We have the facts. What's wrong with it? She just didn't want those facts. It, it blew my mind, but that was.
0: Right. Well, they're often not for facts. Yeah, they're, they're facts that they like. Yeah, not for facts right.. <laughs> So what what happened with the paper and with Oh, she, sister and she's
1: like okay, this is like too much for me my sister and she ended up just doing some other like topic and tried to pander to what the professor wanted to get a good mark. And that is my advice to a lot of students is like just suck it up. I mean, if you are already in this class, it's not worth getting a bad mark over. Um, however, sorry, the great thing about it was I got a ton of messages from students from her class. Yeah. Started to explain all the other things that this teacher is engaging in and how awful it is. And that made me happy because they said, "You know what? Next week I'm going to speak up and I'm gonna tell her she's wrong. And I was like, yes, yes, but be prepared. Don't just say she's
0: wrong. So it's interesting. So I I talk about this when I do college uh, speeches. Yeah. Two years ago or so, I used to say what you said about get the grade, like suck it up and get the grade Mm -hmm. because hopefully, you know, if you wanna move to grad school or get a good job after or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I've turned on that. Like I really had a 180 on that because to me, it's like we live in a time where people can be on YouTube and expose these things, mm-hmm. share the emails out on social media, mm-hmm. Periscope while you're in classes, your yeah. teacher is telling you yeah. that you're an evil, oh, white I racist. I have so many
1: videos of my teachers, just uh, the worst things. So isn't
0: <laughs> but, but that's been so empowering for you. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, I'm not for telling kids, kids, oh. students not to do that. But I, I understand the line of thinking. Yeah. And I guess it depends on the person. Really. You
1: can still kind of challenge your professor while he's, you know, just teaching. I meant more for assignments. Like if assignment says explain why women are oppressed like just do it that, that's it. Like if you, you're probably going to fail if you say women are not oppressed. Um, but if the teacher is actually teaching, then yes, please. That is the best time because you catch them at it. And I love watching them squirm. <laughs> I watch, love watching them just kind of look around. And it's like, oh, there's a black woman asking me to tell, you know, tell her why she's oppressed, my white professor. Please tell me what rights you have that I don't have in Toronto, Canada. And it's like, well, you know, there is white privilege. And it's like, oh, my gosh, stop. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's enough. Do, do you feel bizarrely embarrassed? <laughs> Empowered because of that now? I mean someone who's clear on their political thoughts and mm-hmm. you don't you're not a victim nor wanna be a victim <laughs> or anything or use immigrant status or blah blah blah. Mm. Do you feel very empowered? Like almost like your teachers can't push back on you in a weird way because they're they're caught in their own guilt cycle?
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And it's also funny because, um, you know, I am the, I'm an immigrant, I'm black, and I'm a woman. It's like, I just have to be, I guess, Muslim, and then I'm all the
0: oppressions. <laughs>
1: um, so it's really difficult you for You got them. a limp
0: or anything? Oh, that...
1: Yeah, I got a limp too. <laughs> That'd yeah. be hilarious. Every oppression there is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's kind of funny to see how they can't challenge me because a lot of their arguments is based on lived experiences. This is what black people face. And I'm talking about the Canadian context. I think Canadian uh, social racial relations is a little bit different in the States than here in the States. Sorry. Um, but yeah, me being like a black woman, it's, it's very difficult for them. Like they can't give me any. They have to give me a legit argument because the only argument is, well, black people feel that way. I don't. So what is your argument? Um, but yeah, I mean, in, in a sense, it does kind of make me feel empowered because it's, it's funny to watch them squirm. <laughs>
0: Do you feel that you've had an undue influence, in a, I suspect in a positive way, on some of your classmates? Because I'm, I'm imagining they're probably learning as much from you in some ways, oh, if yeah. not more, than they're learning from some of these professors.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, it's actually fun. There's some classes I'll have where a professor will say something absurd, and like, there's a student that I know <laughs> knows me from YouTube, and he'll look at me, and I'm like, I'm not saying anything, dude. <laughs> and then they'll raise their hand and they'll talk, and they'll want me to like chime in. I'm like, I don't want to do this in every class. I'm not. Gonna to be challenging my professors Um, but yeah I really like the fact that I've encouraged so many students to you know step up and actually speak up and say what they believe in and um, yeah it's it's just really it's really interesting there was a course where one of the textbooks I forgot damn it this is why school sucks because like you forget everything literally instantly Um, but one of the students said how it was problematic and before we just kind of brush it off and then another student rolls their hand and said why is it problematic and then looks at me I was like oh god Uh, but yeah I I really like that I've been encourage people to speak up and you know state what they believe and do more research and not just listen to everything your professor is saying not just listen to anything i'm saying do more research and investigate and try to find you know let's get closer to the truth is basically it
0: do you think students want to be smarter than the stuff they're being spoon fed because I definitely do, and when I go to these <laughs> schools, I see such a thirst for knowledge and mm-hmm. honesty and facts mm-hmm. and an exhaustion with this nonsense. But if you listen to the way the media talks either about millennials or whatever, it's like they're the spoiled, entitled generation. And I'm not, saying, <laughs> I'm not saying that a lot of them aren't, but mm-hmm. I, I genuinely think that, that most people, especially young people, they want real answers, not yeah. just like easy drivel.
1: No, for sure. And um, I think a lot of this has to do with the student unions. And again, I'm talking, I'm obviously more familiar with the Canadian context of this. Um, but the you know major schools, University of Toronto, York University, and Ryerson University. I go to University of Toronto, run by Black Lives Matter. Ryerson, Black Lives Matter, and Feminist. Uh, York University, Black Lives Matter. I mean, individuals that are part of the Black Lives Matter original organizations are the president, vice president, and all that of the student union. And and um, I was a president of the debate club for about three years, the first three years of my schooling. And I was like, you know, what would be really exciting to have a debate on race, racial issues. I would love to. I don't care if I'm on this side, on the other side. That would be such a good thing, because all we're ever being fed is raise every corner there's some poster about being black in U of T. Which, by the way, people just realized like during the Trump election, we've been here for three years, no one complained. And all of a sudden Trump is elected. It's hard to be black. Come on. Um, but yeah, I, I, I went to go talk to the school presidents and I said, I would love to have this event, all of that. They shut me down. They said anyone that goes in the other side, on the opposite side is, you know, trying to question the humanity of black people. How dare they try? And i was sitting there like, I will be the one, like what are you talking about? But yeah, they, they canceled it and shut it down, which is so sad, I was so excited for that.
0: So it's interesting, I know you've been pretty critical of Black Lives Matter, and I wanna get into that a little <laughs> bit, but the moment for me that I realized it had morphed into something that I no longer felt was positive, because mm-hmm. at the beginning I did think it was basically a, a positive movement. Yeah or a grassroots movement that was making some sense and and addressing some important issues. Mm -hmm. But the moment I realized that it jumped the shark was in Toronto, actually, at the Toronto Pride Parade, Mm -hmm. when they stopped the parade. They literally stopped the parade from marching to demand that the organizers of the Gay Pride Parade, another oppressed group, uh, submit to their demands, whatever their demands were, that they were gonna focus on these issues. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, what a perfect example of everything that's wrong with identity politics, with the oppression Olympics, the whole thing. And then subsequently, I saw a lot more of that style of thinking happening throughout Black Lives Matter. But was that moment for you as someone that's from Toronto? We met in Toronto. is that Was that a seminal moment for you?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I absolutely hate Black Lives Matter Toronto. I can't say you know much for many of the other Black Lives Matter chapters, but Black Lives Matter, uh, Matter Toronto is ex- extremely toxic and divisive. And I think it's mainly because I we were getting so much better in terms of racial relations, and people were getting along. And there wasn't really, I mean, I'm speaking for myself, there wasn't really that many racism or racist acts happening. But all of a sudden, they erupt and they say, you know, black people feel uncomfortable during Pride because of the police when again, happens during the Trump presidency. It's like all of a sudden you're starting to feel oppressed. And it, it blew my mind stopping the pride parade. I was so confused. They, they stopped it for like an hour asking yeah. for demands that the police be banned. And it's like being a gay police officer, isn't that an oppression? And then they say, okay, but you can go without your uniform. Are you kidding me? No, that's not the point. The point is there was a stigma against being, you know, a police officer and g- being gay. How dare you take that away from them? And there were a lot of proposals, by the way, d- during the pride parade with officers in their uniform that's beautiful like what are you -hmm. you, you're really going to try to
0: marriage proposals yes marriage yeah Yeah. sorry
1: marriage proposals yeah Yeah. and I was like oh my god this is such a great thing but no, no no now they they've actually been banned they didn't they're not coming to the pride I think for the next like five years or so um but that actually was not the reason why I started to hate BLM do you remember the Jordan Peterson free speech event in Toronto
0: I do remember. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, so he teaches at University of Toronto, my school. And this is actually when I started making videos. Um, it was because during the the event, he this was his first public event after making the series of videos. And um, Black Lives Matter was there, you know, just there were two sides, I guess. And I wasn't really picking a side. It was also my very first protest. I was just there to observe. I was very confused as to why people were yelling at each other, what was going on. Oh, I should have just gone home.
0: <laughs> and, <laughs> Too late now, <laughs> sister.
1: And uh, yeah, so I, I, you know, I observed the whole thing and it was pretty peaceful. There, People of color went up there and were saying things like, you know, I don't feel oppressed. This is one of the greatest countries in the world, especially Toronto. Like, this is so diverse. It's Everyone loves each other. Everyone's nice to each other. Um, you know, the Black Lives Matter were calling them coons. They're calling them sellouts. They're yelling all these things. And I immediately knew who the aggressors were. I immediately knew who, which side I did not want to be on. I wasn't picking sides, but I was like, oh God, I stayed till the very end, till the last person left, because this was, again, first protest. I was, like, excited and talking to everyone. I got home, and there were articles that were posted by the school newspaper, by Toronto Star, about, you know, black people were, you know, called the N-word. They were harassed. Someone brought dogs. Someone brought dogs. I was actually standing next to the person with the dogs. Someone apparently brought dogs to chase off the black... Black people complete lies, and that opened my like eyes to like the media bias mm-hmm. that didn't happen, not even close to being happening to happen, so it blew my mind that they would lie about that, and then I personally messaged uh, the leader of Black Lives matter and said I'm, I'm disappointed girl I, I was there like what, why are you doing this um, and then I decided to start making videos because I said clearly they're getting the wrong information. the school literally thinks Jordan Peterson was this Nazi that came and said, I hate black people and women and transgenders and all of that. Um, so I just thought, like, you know, what? if no one's gonna do it, I should do it. And then I started making videos, which was weird because I had to go to school the next day and then deal sure. with these people.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you know what? You you put your ass on the line and yeah. it paid off. Wait, yeah. so did when you uh, dm the Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. president? Did she respond to you?
1: Yeah, she responded to me saying, um, "I'm going to screenshot this uh, to use against you in the future. Why don't you say it to my face?" I still huh. have it saved because I'm like I. I'm going to save this for the rest of my life. Yeah, the, the president, like the co-founder of Black Lives Matter Toronto said she's going to, I should say it to her face and she's going to use this against me in the future. Meanwhile, all I said was I was there. This is very inappropriate. Why are you telling lies? You're making black people feel like, you know, this is what actually happened. You're making students feel like that's why students feel like they're being oppressed because you're telling them. Sorry.
0: What no no what do you think these people and I don't mean just black lives matter in this case but like this t- this type of person at a university whether it's from gender studies or whatever it is you know all, with all the identity politics stuff what do you think they actually want in the end like if they were to get what they want what mm-hmm. is that
1: That's what I don't understand is that They are obviously fakes, because if they truly care about black liberation, there are policies that you could point to that you can probably fix and help the black community. And in Canada, one of the things was uh, carding. And that was actually immediately, carding was gone um, in Toronto, or Ontario, I'm not sure, either the province or the city. Um, but that's the one thing where I was like, okay, random stops, I think that's something that should be you know, stopped and it's done in inner city neighborhoods and blah, blah, blah. Apart from that, it's like, okay, what else do you want? They want black professors, they want police out of pride. That's not helping black people. That's not changing their social economic status. So what do you, what is your goal? I, I really don't understand because it's, you don't care. I, I don't want to say, I, I mean, I do care. I don't want to say like, I'm, I have all the solutions, but I can tell you what to do, but they're telling people false solutions. They're telling them that we need all black professors to teach black people. Um, but I don't know what their what their goal is. I don't know if, money, I guess? I, I, I really
0: don't get it. I don't get it, seriously. This Rubin Report interview is brought to you by Simply Safe. With my studio in my home, my team and I spent hours researching the best home security system out there, not only to protect us, but also all of our equipment. That's when we came across Safe, an affordable and reliable home security company. Here's what I love about Safe: These guys obsess over the details. It's why their alarm system is so good. Let me give you a quick example. A typical glass break sensor sometimes gets fooled. Sounds like drop plates or a baby crying can give the sensor a false positive setting off the alarm. Simply Safe didn't want to settle for typical, so they constructed their very own glass break test facility. They ran over 10,000 live glass break simulations so they could refine their detection technology. Now their sensors can distinguish between a broken plate and a broken window. This is the level of details that the guys over at Simply Safe put into everything they do, and it truly sets them apart from the other companies out there. Best of all, Simply Safe comes with no contracts, so they're always working hard to earn your business every single day. For only $15 a month, you can get 24/7 monitoring with police and fire dispatch, which is one of the best deals out there. Simply Put, Simply Safe is the greatest around-the-clock protection you can find. Order your Simply Safe security system at simplysafe.com/rubin and Simply Safe will also donate a system to a family in need. That's Simply Safe.com slash Reuben. Once again, S I M P L I S A F E dot com slash Reuben. All right, so let's shift to Jordan Peterson a little bit because okay. you are a student at the University of Toronto. That's where he's been teaching for many years. This whole Kerfuffle <laughs> over transgender pronouns. It's all his oh, fault that the school started... is so,
1: like, everyone's yelling at each other and hates each other. I blame him.
0: It. <laughs> what is, what's the atmosphere like at the school, actually? He's not teaching there right now because no, obviously yeah. he's on tour in the book and the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But has the atmosphere changed? And do you think it's directly related to some of the stuff that he unearthed?
1: I think it has changed because there you can see the groups. You and when someone, you know, has a slightly right wing, or it's funny because... Uh, The fact that they associate individualism and the fact that they they associate thinking for yourself with being right wing—it's like why would you want to do that? It should not be. Anyways,
0: (laughs) why wouldn't you want to be right wing? Exactly, exactly.
1: Like what? Um, Yeah. uh, So the, the when you're a little bit more right wing, I guess they tend to say that, you know, you are a Jordan Peterson fan and you hate transgenders and blah, blah, blah. Like, there's a clear divide. You can tell which side people are on. Um, but, I, yeah, I think it was bound to happen regardless. And just, again, because of the Trump presidency. So, like, can we just blame Trump for everything
0: here? <laughs> yes, you're in America now. Yeah. <laughs> that's what you're <laughs> that's legally what you're, bound to do. We're in I'm California,
1: sure. too, so that's how, yeah. Everything. Oh, yeah,
0: watch out. Um, so you sort of view it as kind of a necessary evil. That mm-hmm. He sort of got this stuff, I mean, again, it goes to what we were talking about earlier. Like Mm -hmm. some of these people get these issues out there Mm -hmm. and then hopefully some goodness comes after them.
1: Yeah, definitely. And um, I think the other thing is Trump, Allowed people, like I said earlier, to think for themselves in the sense to understand that maybe not everything is how it seems. Maybe things that I'm learning is not exactly how it is. And you know, I you know I may disagree with his politics like, because I'm a liberal in general. Um, but I do think that yeah, it was bound to happen, and Trump kind of shook things up and allowed a lot more people are engaging in politics now, which is so exciting and also really scary at the same time. Well,
0: isn't that <laughs> it? I mean, that's it right there. I, I think just this morning I tweeted something out to that effect. It's like hmm. wow. Wow. it's incredibly exciting. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean things are gonna be good. I actually, uh, I believe things actually are gonna get better because mm-hmm. there's so many cool new young people like yourself out there putting out ideas. Mm-hmm. Like I have hope, but yeah, it doesn't mean that that's how it's gonna go, it might, yeah. it might go the other way. Yeah. yeah,
1: but then the other thing is that because um, the far left are scared that people are starting to, you know, do more research. People are starting to Google things nowadays. <laughs> um, they've started to. So that's
0: why they want to control Google.
1: Exactly. So now, <laughs> so then you can't find any right information. You can only find theirs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but now they're changing definitions of things. So, I mean, the definition of racism is no longer individual. It has to do with power plus privilege. So in other words, only white people can be racist towards minorities. Minorities cannot be racist towards white people. Um, they've also taken hold of the like student unions and Jordan Peterson has talked about this a lot. Um, so, sorry, what was the question? If well, my grunting. question <laughs>
0: generally was uh, about Jordan and being a student at mm-hmm. University of Toronto and all that. So just keep yeah. going, Yeah, oh, no. keep going, keep going. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I just feel like um, the student unions are just influencing a lot of the students, and they're influencing a lot of the events that are happening. They, they claim to speak on behalf of all students, so and they claim that they're fighting against racism, except they define it a different way. I mean, who's going to go against someone that says they're fighting against racism and sexism and every other buzzword that they can throw out there? You have to accept it. Mm-hmm. Um, and because they've changed the definition of racism, they've started to have events, and there was a white privilege conference, which I actually did a video on.
0: Yeah, yeah I wanted to Ryerson,
1: get to that. <laughs> at Ryerson University, yeah. So that's the way that they're countering it. They're countering the facts with just, you know, all that alternative facts <laughs> with their own uh, BS feminist studies ideas, I don't even know. But that's, I guess, the way they're doing it. They're trying to influence students from schools, so then when they get out, they can become more liberal.
0: So the things that Jordan talks about, when he talks about the individual, mm-hmm. and when he talks about why the government shouldn't be able to talk, tell you what pronouns to use, et cetera, et cetera, you see these things as all directly related to everything else that you've been talking about here.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And I think it's also about, um, sorry, I just blanked. <laughs> well,
0: so we were at a Jordan event, that's, yeah. where, that's where we met, about yes. a month ago in yeah. Toronto, and was it a white supremacist, oh, evil yeah. incel male? I, I was
1: stoned on well, my way out. <laughs>
0: yeah, I know. I mean, but were you surprised at all when you saw what type like of curl? people and, a, and an interesting, diverse, young? Mm-hmm. I think most of them, I've been telling people, it's about 60, 40 yeah. male uh, to female, but mm-hmm. sometimes it's even closer to 50, 50.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think it's pretty di- uh, diverse. And I've gone to several events like uh political events I guess where I look in the crowd and I'm like wow there's a lot of minorities here there's women here there's men here there's everyone here and sorry where I where I blanked was uh the idea that you can't you can't debate something that's where that was the whole Peter, I'm like Ranting here, sorry. No, the whole Peterson thing now. gets me like all excited because I was there. It was so yeah. fun. Um, <laughs> he has this effect on people. Yeah. But the fact that you can't debate certain topics, the fact that you can't debate whether or not we should use certain pronouns, because they say, "Well, you're questioning my identity. You're questioning me as a person, my humanity." They turn it around and make it sound like you hate that person. And that's the thing is, it's not like I agree with Peterson or I agree with the, you know, the students. I just want to hear both sides. That's all I'm asking for. So then we can all make an informed, you know, conclusion. But they don't want you to hear both sides. Sides. They want you to hear their side, and that is the only side. You see what happened with like Lindsay Shepard as well, where she, you know, played a Peterson debate, where there are all sides, and they don't want you to hear that. They only want you to hear their side, and that's where, that's one thing I hate the most, just the lack of discussion.
0: Yeah, so I'm glad you brought up Lindsay because that also is happening in Canada. That was mm-hmm. at Wilfrid Laurier University. Now there's a lawsuit that she's involved oh, yeah. in, and I suspect, I read some of the initial brief, I mean, I think this thing's gonna be a, a bloodbath for the yeah. university. Um, But... What does that say is happening in Canada in a larger way? I think you've kind of hit on this a little bit. Like you guys are almost having like this like Trump hangover or Mm -hmm. something, where or even the Black Lives Matter thing. Like it didn't start in America, as you said, race relations were different Mm -hmm. in Canada. I would argue they're still great here. No, they're great here. Yeah, for
1: sure. Canadians are just nicer.
0: Okay. Right. Canadians (laughs) just generally. You guys, you know, we've done two shows in Toronto, Mm -hmm. and the shows were totally nice and pleasant. (laughs) But like we've gone to some other cities where, and I find it's usually in the progressive cities. Mm. So it's been in you know San Francisco mm. and it's been in Seattle and a couple of the others where the crowds are the craziest yeah. and most raucous, which is what I like the most because they kind of, they need his message. Yeah. Toronto, you guys are very, Pleasant. You're very pleasant. <laughs>
1: I think we, we're gonna, we're getting to a point where we need his message. I think it, it's it's getting a little scary, especially with uh, Trudeau as our Prime Minister. He's kind of kowtowing to a lot of the social justice warriors. And um, the fact that he's even, you know, talking to Black Lives Matter Toronto, who, you know, the leader, one of the leaders said she wants to kill white men. She tweeted that. She wished she could kill all white men. And the other one actually stole $300,000 from my student union stole it and said the she on her last day, she filed her overtime and she's filed thousands of hours of overtime Jesus. and said, she this filed $300,000
0: 300, overtime. Yes, worth it's a of third overtime? of our
1: entire budget, of our student union's budget, a third. And here's the best part of it. She files that. Obviously, there, there's alerts that go off. You can't take that much money for, what are you, your student union president? $300,000? Pretty
0: sure there aren't that many hours in the yeah. day. Yeah.
1: But here's the thing. She claims that the majority of those hours come from work that she does for the Black community for like Black Lives Matter that doesn't count no one is asking that's not affiliated with the school no one's asking you whatever you do at home has nothing to do with that anyways the school obviously said they wanted the money back they tried to sue her and they started a whole campaign saying my university is anti-black and then they started to put posters up they got gathered a bunch of people saying that they're, they're only suing her because she's black you stole three hundred thousand. You took three hundred thousand dollars, girl. Like, are you because you're black? Are you kidding me? Does that not even? Anyway, she, you know, they vandalized the student union. They have like megaphones, start to yelling, saying anti-black racism happened here, and it was just this whole ordeal. Like, it's oh gosh. Anyways,
0: what, what have you found <laughs> the best arguments to get people your age to wake up to some of this stuff? Like, I know obviously they're watching your videos. So yeah, that's like probably your your prime way of doing it. But if mm-hmm. you found simple arguments, simple phrases Mm -hmm. or whatever that you can use to get some people out of this?
1: Uh, (laughs) Everything can be explained away through a social economic standpoint. uh, A lot of the issues that the black community faces because they're poor which is the same issues that poor white communities face as well. And, um, I, you know, there are examples of black Americans and black Canadians that do do well, do do well. And uh, you have to look at why they're doing well. Okay, so they have higher education. You know, there's, both parents are at home. There are all these different factors to look at. And then it's like, oh, so it's not just the color of my skin. It's either choices are, I make or the area I'm in, the surroundings I'm in, or the school I went to, rather than just it's the color of my skin. Um, but. I think you just have to break it down to that before a lot of people can understand where where I'm coming from and why I think a certain way. Um, it's just it's easy to just to say, well, it's because I'm black and I'm not doing as well. It's no, there's there's so many different ways to explain it.
0: How do you rub off all the the stuff that they must say about you? Because I, I have enough friends <laughs> that are black conservatives or or are kind of liberal yeah. or whatever you want to call it. That the things that I see get that gets said about them all. The time. every time Larry Elder comes and does my show and I look on Twitter mm-hmm. the things that the things that's the supposed tolerant people right yeah. the progressives the lefties that they say about this man who I know is being authentic mm-hmm.
1: um, well I, it's ridiculous I mean I get a lot of uh, hate comments where you know they'll call me coon they say I hate myself I want to be white all these different things I. It's the one part is like me speaking this way or speaking I guess I don't want to say proper English per se but it, I'm trying to be white I'm trying to be something I, I'm not And it's like, why are you fitting people a race in a group? You're just allowing white people just to say, well, black people are just dumb. Because if you say we all act the same way and we should all think the same way, that means you can, every black person can be explained with one statement. That's not fair. Let us all be individuals. In fact, you should be fighting for us to be individuals and have our own ideas. Why are we trying to form groups? And then, you know, they wonder why, why there's all these like white supremacist groups forming up because you've already, it's a sides thing. You said there's our side and there's your side they're so like okay sure we'll form a group I guess and go against you um, but yeah I mean I don't a lot of the hate comments are just useless I ignore the epithets but I do try to understand a lot of the criticism and again it's just not understanding where I'm coming from it's not you know getting their stats from the right place the root.com or onion is not somewhere to get your facts from. <laughs>
0: um, but I like that you compared those two yeah. really. That's pretty
1: funny. but when I um, you know get into a detailed discussion with a lot of them then they understand where I'm coming from and it's like like there's this light that kind of shines and I do that in my school a lot as well where someone that absolutely hates me I'll spend a whole day talking to them and at the end I call it like it's really awful to use this conversion therapy which awful <laughs> to say that.
0: Um, well but, you're not electrocuting them. No okay, okay.
1: <laughs> but by the end of it it's like their minds are blown because they just believed everything Black Lives Matter said, everything the mainstream left media have said. So it's, I think it's just, you just gotta talk to them. They don't wanna talk, they're stuck in echo chamber.
0: Yeah, do you see this intersectionality and this combining of perceived depressions, something that will just sort of crap out under its own weight? So like, for example, if you're gonna keep saying, well, black people should, or this minority, whatever that minority is, should get easier entrance to this or access to this or whatever, what you're actually saying is, well, other people are going to have to be punished based Mm -hmm. on their immutable characteristics. We see this now, I mean, I see a massive split happening Mm -hmm. with the Asian community right Mm -hmm. now in America because by every metric that we, judge success, they are mm. succeeding at extremely high levels because yep. of hard work and education and commitment to family. But if you're gonna start saying, well, we're gonna have to take less of them mm. because we have to take more of other people, you're actually setting these groups to hate each other. Yeah. That is so dangerous. Exactly,
1: and you're telling one group that they can't do it on their own. And um, there are some studies, I, I forgot who was who wrote it, but it was called the mismatch theory, which is um, a lot of the student minority students that are getting thrown in universities that are not qualified actually turn out worse. When they come out, they don't get jobs because they don't have the actual skills that they needed to get in. But yeah, it creates ca- this kind of tension. Why would you tell someone that, you know, they're more important just because of the color of your skin? It's going to piss other people off. Um, it's I don't think that's a way to move forward. I don't think that's a way to progress, but yeah. And the whole intersectionality thing, it's, it's ridiculous. The Pride Parade, I guess, in Toronto is an example of that. It's like, my issues are more important. And then obviously the LGBTQ community, they all hated that. And they were all very upset with it because it's like, Pride is one of the most inclusive, you know, events in, in the in the city. Like, why are you trying to ruin it and say this is a black thing? It's an everybody thing. We're, we're all advocating for everyone here. So it's, it's it, they're just going to, yeah, they're going to ruin themselves if they keep just batting <laughs>
0: each yeah. other. Speaking of that, I saw the thing that you did. You were not happy when they put the black and brown oh uh, yeah stripes into the rainbow <laughs> flag which i also thought was completely ridiculous the whole point is that this is for everybody we're mm-hmm. not looking at all your differences yep. and all your races yeah that's but,
1: what thing it's like reverse segregation i really don't yeah. get it the white privilege conference at rising university yeah. that's reverse segregation and i actually gave them the benefit of the doubt i'm like i'm going to ignore the name i'm going to actually try to see what they're trying to teach and ultimately the end the conclusion of this event was listen to people Listen to what people are saying. So anecdotes. Only <laughs> listen to people's their feelings. So yeah. it's like that's not how you form a society. It's the majority were white women that were just sitting there hearing black people tell them just listen to our stories because we know and we experience it. And you know you, we have to have you know black spaces. In fact, there's someone that tweeted during the event saying um, a woman just rose her hand to speak while wow, white splaining. Wait for the for later where we have our white corner so yeah. we can talk about you know yeah. our. What is this? What kind of society are we preparing ourselves for? It's literally reverse segregation or segregation in the true sense of the word. And I, yeah, I really don't care.
0: What, what do you make of the guilty white allies? Mm. Those people, you know, when I've had, uh, I know you've met Brett Weinstein yeah. from Evergreen and, yeah. and Heather, his wife. Um, one of the things that fascinated me most when he was going through the ordeal there was that he said he never feared the black students, mm-hmm. physically, or the brown students, or whatever, mm-hmm. it was the it was the white allies, he said, that had this sort of look in their eye, like they were the ones that could get violent. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that that look. What do you make of that sort of ginned up <laughs> hatred?
1: Because it's hard to. to- because if you're not black, then, I mean, they're trying to explain it. If you're not black, then you don't experience it, then you don't understand it. So as a white ally, you have to just take everything, uh, you know, an activist says to you as fact, as this is what is happening. Um, one of the, the speakers, actually, he did an interview for the Toronto Star, and they asked him, and I was like, okay, what, where do you see white privilege in Toronto? And he said, literally, I mean, I'm paraphrasing <laughs> no. here, but he said, when you walk into a store, black people, or black people have to think about the fact that people are watching them. Okay, sure. I was like, fine, whatever. But apparently black people have to pay for items in one section before they can move to another section so they don't get accused of stealing. That's his, his he got a chance to tell us what white privilege is. And that was his example of white privilege. Is it's, that happening in no, Canada? It no, it. it's never happened. I've worked retail for like the most of my life. What, you're going to like pay in the kids section before you go to the men's section? Like what world is this guy living in? It, it blew my mind. And another one, you know, did an article where it's how the outdoors is racist and how, you know, people feel like the, you know, skiing and hiking and everything is a white space. And therefore, black people don't want to go to it. And it's like, who, you're saying it. You are (laughs) the one that are making these (laughs) claims. Why are we, it's just more division. It's more like, it just, it pisses me off. Yeah.
0: You know what? Because you're visiting L.A. for a couple days. (laughs) I don't have a ton of time, but maybe we could go on a quick hike and see what happens when Uh, a white guy and a black woman go on a hike.
1: Yeah, exactly. But it just, like, you obviously don't care about the betterment of the black community because you wouldn't be talking about these non-issues. Here in the States, you can talk about, you know, uh, sorry, how the education system works. You can talk about the war on drugs. You can talk about the prison system. But yet, the, the amount of people they got to protest the Trayvon Martin, you know, uh, shooting, if you can get that many people to protest the war on drugs, you can probably make a change. But no, they're going to focus on, you know, I, I think police shootings is one of the least things that are actually affecting black Americans. But yet, that's what they want to put their focus on.
0: It- so how much of the root of that is just lazy thinking? Like, it's easy to get people ginned up about, a shooting per se, Mm -hmm. and I'm not, I'm not diminishing yeah, the ones sure. that are wrong, for obviously. For sure, obviously,
1: it's all makes it clear. But it's
0: easier to take all of the anecdotal stuff, the, mm-hmm. the woman at the shopping center who this happened to, or that, yeah. it's always easier to do that than to really be like, let's really look at the prison systems, which I would be for Yeah. I would be figuring Certainly. out ways that we can make do better education mm-hmm. to minority communities yeah. that have been neglected, all of those things, but those things aren't really sexy, they're not like the mm-hmm. things that get people out on the streets yeah. for more than a day, it's the other stuff. Mm-hmm. So part of this is just human nature, right?
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I can base all my arguments on anecdotes, but that, isn't, like, that means nothing to me. I can just say, oh, well, this one day, I've lived in Toronto all my life and I've never experienced racism. I'm not gonna use that as facts, but yeah, but it's so much easier to do so. It's so much easier to you know, play with the heartstrings and say that like, this is what's really happening. But it's just, it's just sad that there are actual policies that you know, can be changed or put in place that could actually uplift the black community. But, you know, none of the people that are—that claim to be the activists care, and especially the celebrities, which really annoys me. Beyoncé and Jay-Z, all they do is talk about, you know, black rights and blah, blah, blah. Why don't you use your billion dollars to, you know, create some rehabilitation center for people that are getting out of prison? Why don't you try to fight for the war on drugs? Like, it's all these things where it's—yeah, it's it's, yeah, it's it's easy just to say, oh, look, there's a shooting. You know, this is what black people experience every day. And, you know, white people are racist. The end. No. it's There's—I don't know. It's easier for them to just to say, look at this. This anecdote in this shooting, and that's what's affecting us. But There's so many other things that could be done. Yeah, I think you
0: saw a little bit of my appearance at University of New Hampshire when those kids were oh, yeah. yelling at mm-hmm. me. And when that one woman, who I don't think was a student, I think mm-hmm. she was a, either a mother of a student or, or an advisor or something, when she kept saying, you know, these kids, pointing to the black kids, could get shot when they walked mm-hmm. out of here. She's talking about at University of New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I actually, that was one of the only moments where I didn't know what to say because its it was so crazy to say that. Like, mm-hmm. you're not gonna be shot yeah. when you walk out of here. Yeah. And I think I maybe said something to that effect, but like, <laughs> it's like, that's really dangerous, that yeah. line of thinking.
1: I, I totally agree. And I was actually having a, I went to a comedy club the other day and there's this guy on stage. He was like typical uh, inner city black youth or whatever. And uh, he, after his set, he came to sit at my table, everyone was gone and he made a comment saying, um, wow, it was really hard to be a black woman in, in this country. And this is, again, this is Canada. I feel like there's no excuses for Canada. Like, get <laughs> out of here. Um, and I asked him, okay, how? And he's just like, I don't know. It's just, it's really hard to be, you know, a woman and black. I'm like, yeah, I get the whole woman thing because, you know, men are, you know, physically bigger and blah, blah, blah. Um, but why is it hard for me to be black in, in Toronto specifically? And he's like, you know, because, you know, there's just white privilege. I'm like, no, 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 give me two reasons. Give me two, <laughs> two concrete reasons. Could not come up with one. Because there is, you you can't come up with one. You have to use the anecdotes. You have to use the, you know, if you walk out the street, you're going to get shot. Why? What are the statistics of people that get shot by police? Oh, seven get shot by police per year, and it's not recorded by race, and it also doesn't tell us if they're armed or unarmed. Seven people, and you're telling me you're more likely to walk out the door as a black person and get shot? That's not an epidemic. You know what's an epidemic? The crime in black communities. That's an epidemic, but you want to ignore that and just talk about the other, yeah, anecdotes that pull at the heartstrings and make people feel guilty and Oh, it's so, it's a waste of time. It's such a waste of time. But what,
0: yeah. what do your parents think about what you're doing?
1: Uh, well, they are conservative, so they love it. So,
0: <laughs> so what makes you not conservative? If, some, if someone was to say, you're, you're conservative, I watch your videos, yeah. you talk about conservatism's not that bad, blah, mm. blah, blah. Why would you not say you're conservative? Putting aside the, the exhaustion of labels for a second. Yeah,
1: yeah, Um Well, I would say I'm fiscally conservative, so I guess I do believe in, like, lower taxes in some sense. Um, I do believe in the free market. I do believe in, you know, less regulations, all that fun stuff. But at the same time, I do think that there should be some sort of social safety net. And, uh, you know, living in Canada where there is, you know, um, sorry, free health, not free health care, universal health care and, you know, f- universal education, the education system is amazing. The, the funding for the education system is amazing. Um, so it's stuff like that where I think I'm a little bit more liberal, where I do think the government should help in some way, but it's because I'm used to it. It's what I grew up with and I haven't really seen anything different and it works Works fine, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so I guess that, and I'm pro-choice, so it's stuff like that where I really do stand firm in my liberal views and ideas, and then, yeah, I'm fiscally
0: conservative. Yeah, wow, we're pretty much, we're pretty much on the level, (laughs) I finally found somebody. Now we can go out hiking, and we can start Beating people. Exactly. Or, I don't know what we're supposed to do. Once you find an ally, then yeah. you start attacking other people. I think, right? That's, that's how it works. Something like that. Where do you want to go with all this? I've seen. I've seen your channel grow. I think obviously, you know, having you here, it'll it'll help boost your profile a little bit. You're gonna go into politics? What are you gonna do? Prime Minister of Canada? Ooh, uh, take out that Trudeau guy with his fancy socks. What do you Trudeau. think?
1: Trudeau? Oh gosh. Um,
0: or well, maybe maybe Peterson will do it. But you could probably yeah. be in his cabinet.
1: Yeah, definitely. Sorry. Well. I am enjoying what I'm doing now and I'm quite surprised that people even enjoy watching my videos. It's (laughs) like it's cool to do something you love and people like it as well. Like I I really am having fun doing it. And I think I would probably go into politics later in life. I mean, I am doing political science. It has to be useful somewhere. I've been toying around with law. But again, I'm not sure if I really want to be in, you know, the whole I don't know if I want to deal with law school. Um, But, and I'm starting actually a podcast with my boyfriend which I would be uploading very soon. Nice, awesome. By
0: Uh, the way, we should tell people, they'll find out otherwise your boyfriend is white.
1: Yes, my boyfriend is white. Which means
0: you could have potentially children who look black, they might look white, they Mm -hmm. could look a little bit of both. (laughs) You've talked about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really matter to you.
1: No, <laughs> of course not. No. Uh, yeah, my boyfriend being white has been used as like an attack against me, saying like, wow, look at you. Uh, what do they say? Sleeping with the devil or something like that. And it's just. He like, seems
0: like a decent fella. He's a great guy. I think we were guy. maybe play Nintendo. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, he's a great guy. But again, it's, it's the whole idea of why are you creating more de- uh, divisiveness and then saying you want equality? Why are you saying a black woman being with a white man is bad? And then say, wow, white people are mean. To me, like can, you either want equality or you don't, you either want individuality or you don't. Pick one, you can't have both. You can't, anyway sorry, but yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure where exactly I will be in the next five years. I'm having fun with what I'm doing now. I work for the National Post, which I absolutely love, um, and then I have the podcast coming, so that's what I'm gonna do for now, and maybe. I might get into politics, but, oh, it's so messy.
0: (laughs) The fact that you even are going that far right now, you're doing it. Oh, God, yeah. I hate to tell you. I can see it now. But how exciting. I'll have somebody to support. You know what? You get... You do something in Canada where okay. you run and you become something, mayor or something, mm-hmm. whatever you wanna do. I will consider moving mm. oh my, to Canada. Really? Oh my, really, all the way. I will, if you, if you can pull it off, yeah. it'll be a big freaking test and oh, we'll yeah. see what happens. Definitely. Think uh-huh. I do, you think I do okay there, a white guy?
1: Oh no! I'm sorry. You're you're done. You're done for. You're gonna have to start giving me like half of your pay just cause you know racism and stuff. Yeah, but uh, but I think one thing that I would actually probably like to do, which I probably will not be able to, but uh... to do a lot of work in like inner-city communities because I've I, I don't want to say I've lived through it but I understand what's going on there I understand that you know there's a high crime I understand that in some neighborhoods the schools aren't as good for Canada it's a little different but I'd like to do some work there where I can kinda tell them hey I got out and here is what I did to get out and you can do it too there's so many there's opportunities there for you like if you were a poor minority you know child right now please just try your hardest at school, get an education. It's literally one of the greatest opportunities that you can have, and you're more likely, I mean, you're probably not 100% great, but you're more likely to be successful if you get an education. And that's the one thing a lot of black you know, uh, people are lacking is the education component. And um, you know, we don't really have like the war on drugs and everything. So it really is weird for me that in inner cities of Toronto, where there's still this very high crime, there's still this tension, um, but you know have you ever heard of the Woodson Center by any chance no I don't it's think a so. nonprofit organization it's located in DC um, but I've been working with them for some time and they basically do the same thing they go out to these neighborhoods and they help students and they have such a good success rate they help them in high school because that's the other thing is that a lot of black kids are not even graduating high school of course they're gonna go into crime if you're not even graduating high school um, so yeah they work with a lot of students there they you know have rehabilitation centers they help you know uh, black sorry, Black Americans, reintegrate into society. Like, it's stuff like that, where it's these grassroots movements that I would really like to do. And I know it's a it's a big dream, but I think that's where I'll probably be happiest, is where I can show people how it's done and help them. And hopefully everyone can copy that and say, oh, this is what we're supposed to do and all that. But...
0: Awesome, I love it (laughs) and I have no doubt that you're gonna do it and you guys can follow this future member of Canadian Parliament on her YouTube channel right here. It's youtube.com slash my name is Josephine.